Turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to get real tense today. I can guarantee you today, look to the person to the right of you. Look to the person to the left of you. This is going to be one of those messages where there's a real good chance that one of those two people you saw is going to get real, real butt hurt today. And I'm okay with that. I've never actually taught this story in 23 years of teaching from the angle that I'm going to teach it today. I, I, I brought it up in two and three minute increments other times in the past. And it's always been one of those messages that I've wanted to teach and it just never felt led to go in that direction. But this series was the perfect time to do that. We're in a series called Shut Up and Come Home. It's just time in life to end the excuses, to end the reasons, to end the uh, frustration, the resentment, the bitterness that so many people have towards God and the things of God, and more importantly, the things that they have towards the local church and OBTW. Every feeling they have towards the local church is valid. They don't feel accepted, they feel judged, they don't feel welcomed. They hit the bottom in life and the church turned on them. We're going to talk about every one of those things today as we finish this series or as we get in the second week of this series. We've been looking at the prodigal son, my favorite story in all the Bible. The prodigal son. I, I love that story because I've kind of devoted my life to those that are far from God. And it's one of those connecting stories, whether you grew up in church or whether you've never been to church, everyone knows the story of the prodigal son. So it's an instant connecting point. I, I love every aspect of this story. It's my life in print. I can't tell you how many times in my life I have been that prodigal son, wander off into my own land and come to my senses and realize, man, God's the answer and come back and to know that God's always there right where I left him. He never got lost. I'm the one who got lost. It is a phenomenal story. Luke 15 is my favorite chapter in all the Bible because, man, I think if there's ever a chapter in the entire Bible that exemplifies the mission of Jesus, if there was ever a, a chapter in the Bible that exemplifies the reason Jesus existed, it's Luke 15. The chapter starts off and the religious leaders of the day are mocking Jesus. If they got the religious leaders of the day mocking you, chances are real, real, real good you're doing something right. If you're pissing off the established religious authority of the day, chances are really, really good you're doing something right. I actually get to the point at Action Church that if someone has gone about a month without getting mad at us from the religious community, I worry that we're on mission. I worry that we're not on mission. I'm like, man, do we need to get back on mission? Have we kind of wandered off? Have we become too mainstream? Have we become accepted by the religious of the day, which is the exact opposite of what we want? And they're mocking him and they're saying, man, look at this dude. He eats with sinners and he eats with tax collectors and he hangs out with those people. And Jesus being the man that he was, man, he, he begins to answer their claims. He begins to answer their criticisms, but he doesn't answer them directly because that, that would make too much sense. Jesus goes into some storytelling and Jesus was the master storyteller. He was able to tell these stories that captivated people and brought people in over and over and over and over throughout the New Testament. You'll see the Bible says there was multitudes of people who came to hear Jesus speak. But in this chapter, he doesn't tell one story. He doesn't tell two stories. He goes into three stories, three separate stories that all have the same meaning. I think he was so freaking irritated by the religious, he wanted to make sure they got his point. He knew one story wasn't going to get through to him. He knew that two stories wasn't going to get through to him. So he said, hey, before you open your trap again, let me tell you about this shepherd. And he had a hundred sheep and one of the sheep went missing. And the shepherd left the 99 sheep. And did whatever it took to find the one lost sheep. Aren't you glad there was a day in your life when God left everything to go find you? And make no mistake about it, God found you, you didn't find God. He picked you up out of the muck and the mire and he placed your feet on a solid rock. And, and then before they could answer, he said, hey, this lady had 10 coins. And she lost one of the coins and 
She turned on her light. She began to sweep the floor and stayed up all night long looking for the one lost coin. And when she found that lost coin, she called all of her friends and said, Rejoice with me. Thank God I found the coin that I had that was so valuable that let the world know of my purity. I found that coin and, and come celebrate with me. And, and before they could be blah, 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 he said, hey, there's this dad. He had two sons. And one of the sons took everything that he had and he went off and went about his own way. And there's not a person here today who can't say at one time in your life, you took everything that you had and went off on your own way. Gary Lamb, the king of going off on my own way. And hopefully, when you went off on your own way, there came a point where you came to your senses, the Bible says about the son. And he came back to the father. And last week, we started going through the different characters in this story. And we looked at that brother. We looked at the younger brother, as he's referred to, again, who went to the father, got his inheritance early, took off to that far land, spent everything that he had. He hit such rock bottom that he's feeding pigs, the lowest of the low for someone raised in a Jewish tradition. He, he was so hungry that he began to think, man, even the pig slop looks good. And he couldn't even get pig slop. No one offered him any. He said, man, screw this. I can go back home and I can be a servant to my father and live better than this. And the Bible says he took off on his own way. And the Bible says that when the dad saw him far off, the father ran to him. And the son begins to go, Dad, I'm sorry, sorry, just let me. And he says, shut up. Bring the best of everything. Let's throw a party. My son who was dead is now alive. And we talked last week about how sin will do that to you. Sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. It'll cost you more than you ever wanted to spend. Man, we talked about the price of sin. And, and, and no matter what your sin is or no matter what is, the Bible said to him to know what to do good and do it not. It is sin. Anything that is separating you from that fellowship, anything that is separating you from that connection. But we talked about the power of a father, of a God who loves us so much that he's looking off in the distance waiting for us to come home. We're going to be looking at every character throughout this series. we still got to cover the dad. We're going to cover the dad next week. The next week is what I like to call the good sermon. The encouraging sermon. The great reminder sermon of how good the father was. But there's another character in this story. The older brother. Many theologians refer to him simply as the good brother. The problem is, he wasn't so good. See, we tend to think that if someone looks a certain way and acts a certain way and talks a certain way and seems on Facebook to have it all together, then they must be good. The good brother was just as fake as the younger brother. It's funny, I've heard preachers preach for years on the prodigal son, and many don't even mention the older brother, but there's a huge part of this story that's about the older brother. I, I've really never even heard a sermon focused solely on the older brother, but there's as much time devoted to the older brother in the story as the younger brother. <laughs> it, it, it's vital to me that you talk about the older brother because unfortunately, especially in the average church in our country, every time there's a younger brother, someone who's wandered off, and has finally come home, there's always an older brother to sit there in judgment. To sit there and look down upon the younger brother. Anytime a church, especially a church like Action Church, who literally makes no bones about it, we do church for those that don't do church. We do church for outsiders and not insiders. We're the opposite of any membership you've ever joined in your life. You become a member at Sam's Club. You get to go buy five things of ketchup. You get some benefits from it. Just had a buddy of mine join a very exclusive golf course, and I don't play golf, and I didn't really understand. I said, why are you joining? He said, man, the, the benefits that I get from this golf course. I always say when you kind of, we don't really have membership, but when you Join here with Action Church, it's kind of the opposite. You don't gain any benefits. Matter of fact, you lose your benefits because it no longer becomes about you. It becomes about us 
being on mission to go after those that are far from God, those that don't feel accepted in church, who don't feel welcome in church, who doesn't feel like there's a church that they can go to because they've chosen some lifestyle that maybe doesn't fit with what the religious deem as a lifestyle not worthy to come into the church. We've always been the church. I've always referred to this place as the island of misfit toys. It's the most odd mixture of people that I've ever seen. It, 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 it runs the gamut in financial means. It runs the gamut in political views. It, it runs the gamut on sexual preference. It runs the gamut on just about anything you can mention. And so I said, I don't understand how you get all those people together. And I said, well, they all have one thing in common. Everybody's like, what do they have in common? What they have in common is they don't feel accepted by the church. And it's amazing when you find a place that accepts you and it loves you and it brings you in. It's amazing how all the minor things we disagree about seem to go away because we're connected by the bond of belonging. We're connected by the bond of community. And the son comes home. The dad's excited, and I really should have talked about the dad today, but I really didn't feel like it. I really wanted to be more mean today. I was feeling mean today. Because I really should have talked about what the dad was doing before I got to what the brother was doing. But when the son comes home, the dad says, let's party. Let's have a, let's have a good time. My son that was, was dead is now alive again, and that triggered the part of the older brother. I actually heard a preacher one time say, he said, I want to preach on the older brother. He said, but I can't. Because I know the older brother, and it's me. The Bible says this in Luke 15. We're going to read a lot of verses, not normally our MO. I'm going to read them, and we're going to go back to them. The Bible says in Luke 15, so he got up. He's in the pig pen. This is the younger brother. He, he's in the pig pen. He's lost everything. He sat out on his own lifestyle. The Bible said right before this, he came to his senses, realized he can do better. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw, I'm going to talk about this next week. The father saw him, don't miss this, because the father was looking for him. And he was filled with compassion for him. Boy, compassion. Church, church-going people, compassion. I know you're not used to that word. You'd rather beat somebody up. You'd rather look down upon someone. You'd rather gloat in their sin because it makes you not have to focus on your sin. I told you you're going to get mad today. I didn't write the book, Sorry. He was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his, God, I'm going to promise I'd get out of here early today. He ran to his son. Oh, I'm going to cover all this. So he didn't wait for the son to come to him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him. He kissed him. His son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven, against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but the father said to his servants, quick, quick, quick. Bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. I'm, I'm flashing through all this because it's not part of our text. That's when he sets you up where we're at. He said, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For the son of mine was dead. He's alive again. He was lost. He was found. So they begin to celebrate. Son comes home. That's why I should have preached on the father this week. Because he was the next in the line. Father throws a huge party. He's overjoyed that his son has come home. I don't know if you've ever had a, a relationship with one of your children that maybe got severed. I, I had it with a teenage daughter of mine for a period of time. It's the greatest feeling in the world to know, man, there's a connection again, to know they've come back. Maybe you had a son or a family member you haven't seen in years, and all of a sudden there's a connection again, and, and you've got that hope that it's going to be different this time, and something's going to click this time, and we all live in that world, and the father's so excited. But it says, meanwhile, you know it's never good when it's good, and the next verse is meanwhile. That means we're about to take a turn in the story. That means we're about to move away from the celebration. And something not quite as festive is about to happen. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. I'm going to get ahead of myself. What was he doing in the field? He, what he was supposed to be doing? He was working. Being the good son. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. Every Baptist takes that verse. Dancing. After watching some of you dance Friday night, I now know why Baptists preach against dancing. I don't think it's because it's sexual. It's because you can't dance. So he came near the house. He heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? 
Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he took him back safe and sound. That brother of yours that left, he's back, and your dad's forgiven him. He's throwing a huge party that he's back. Imagine this. He's not holding his sins over his head. He's not reminding him nonstop about his screw-up. He's just partying. He was back home safe and sound. Look at verse 28. The older brother became angry. I don't get that. Your brother, who you thought was dead, is back. Father's happy. And he's angry. Wow. And refused to go in. Look at the father again. Man, the father's a pimp. Like, I, I, I got a good dad, man. But, like, like, I need, like, this is a dad. He ran to the younger son. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look. You can just feel, you can just feel how angry he is. Look. All these years, I've been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property, look at the manipulative right there. Wasn't, wasn't, the, wasn't the father's property anymore. He gave it to the younger son as it was the younger son's right to take it. But he had to spend it as he squandered your property <laughs> with prostitutes. Got to throw that in too. But the whores, dad. I'm pretty sure the older brother was Baptist. Comes home. You kill the fatted fat calf for him. Verse 31, my son. Oh, man. Next week, seriously. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Don't miss church. I might not even broadcast it because you won't come. I'm telling you, we're going four hours next Sunday. My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead. He's alive again. He was lost and he was found. So easy in this text to focus on the younger brother. It's so easy in this text to focus on the the things that the younger brother did that were wrong. But we miss out on the fact that the older brother was just as wrong. We miss out on the fact that the older brother was judgmental. Though he was better than the younger brother was jealous that the younger brother was getting attention. Look what I've done. I worked in the fields and I slaved for years and I've got nothing. Yes, you did. You're the older brother. Two-thirds of it all is yours. Look at me. Look at me. What what about what I do? (laughs) It's funny. The younger son went off and he was lost in a far country. He was lost in his sin. The older brother was at the father's house and just as lost. Hello, church. Boy, aren't we the kings of looking at what other people, did you hear what so-and-so has done? Have you heard about so-and-so? They're drinking too much and they're this too much. and Boy, running around on their spouse too much. And, and we're sitting in the church house fake as can be. Billy Graham said the biggest mission field in the entire world It's church pews on Sunday morning full of people who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Sitting back judging, sitting back looking down, flapping those jaws. Told you before, I think, about the first church I ever pastored. I'd been pastoring about three months. I was young. I was about 21 21 years old at the time. I moved there three weeks before I turned 21, so I had just turned 21. Small little church in Iowa. I moved my family, moved to Iowa. Why would anybody move to Iowa? Build a dream is a lie. Build it and they will come. No, it's horrible. Horrible. This little girl got pregnant in the church. And I'll never forget Miss Flabberjaw calling me. Did you hear about so-and-so? No, I didn't. This is, listen, kid, how many, listen some of you kids aren't going to understand. There used to be in a day and time when there was nothing called, there was no Facebook. 
I know it's amazing. I know you guys don't understand that. And, and there was no Snapchat, no Instagram. So you couldn't get the gossip at the click of your phone. And listen to this, kids. You're really ready for me to blow your mind? I'm not this old. Your parents are. I'm not. You used to get charged by the minute on your phone. So you couldn't just get them a cell phone the gossip spread quick. Kids, listen to this. There was things called landlines. They had a phone in your house that plugged into the wall. And you had to pick up that phone and call somebody. Then you had to hang up. Listen, no, th- now this was the best. There was no such thing as a group text. But to spread the gossip, you had to call like 30 people. Some of you would have been wore out. You would have been on the phone all day long the way you gossip. Miss Flabberjaw, do you hear about so-and-so? I just want to know what the preacher's going to do. I mean, I know he's young. I know he's young. And this will be, be a good test for him. I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean what am I going to do about it? What are we supposed to do with her? Like, she's pregnant. I don't got a voodoo text that we can undo that. I don't got a DeLorean. We can't go back in time to that back, see that car and just knock on the window. Thanks, preacher. Don't want to do that. What are we going to do about it? I don't know. This is setting a bad example for the youth. It's like five youth. Like, what example were we setting? Only example we were setting was that church was boring. Only five of you coming. Miss Flabberjaw, boy, she riled him up. I'll never forget. I can tell you the night of the week, it was Tuesday. Tuesday. She had six days before Sunday or five days before Sunday to get him riled up. Miss Flabberjaw had decided she was going to call a meeting at the end of service to see how I was going to deal with stuff. Except the problem is, Miss Flabberjaw on her way to church suddenly got a revelation from her son. Oh, yeah, he was the dad of the baby. God. Surprise. Suddenly, because this is an old school church, they call me Brother Gary. Brother Gary. Y'all should start referring to me as that. Brother Gary. Suddenly, Brother Gary was supposed to show grace <laughs> and compassion and love. Boy, it's easy to be the older brother till you're the one in the pig pen. They're in the church house. Losses can be. Listen, Jesus was ridiculed for hanging out with prostitutes and the drunks, and I always like that they throw the tax collectors in there too. Yeah. I get it, though. I'd rather hang out with the crowd at the bar than 99% of people in the church. At least the people at the bar are real. At least they ain't hiding their fakeness. At least they ain't trying to be something they're not. At least they don't come in on Sunday with their fake smile and their fake looks and their Bible that they blew the dust off because they ain't touched it since last Sunday and live like hell during the week. Give me the biggest hell raisers all day long over the religious any day of the week. Give me the younger brother over the older brother any day of the week. And the older brother's literally destroying the church. You want to know why people want nothing to do with church? They don't got a problem with Jesus. They got a problem with his followers. I think it was Bono who said that in you too. He said, man, I love Jesus. It's his followers I have an issue with. Sitting there on the father's house. Got everything. Older brother knows two-thirds. Of Scratch that, not two-thirds of what's left. Everything that's left because the younger brother's already taken his third. Everything on the land's his. Younger brothers come back and he's mad, he's frustrated. <laughs> Don't miss this. The, the younger son set out and he lived for himself. Ain't that always our knock? He's just selfish. Look at him. Living for himself. The older brother lived for appearances. 
He wanted everyone to think he had it all together. He made sure he posted those filtered photos on social media. He made sure he only posted the good stuff on social media. I love my wife. It's Valentine's Day, the best person I've ever met. Knowing she tried to kill you last night probably in your sleep and you hate her guts. But on Facebook, you ain't going to post she pulled a knife on you or tried to poison you. Been extreme there a little bit. I'm just saying, like, we're fakes, man. We're fakes. Like, why doesn't anybody post like a real family picture? Like, with your teenage daughter refusing to smile. The 10 year old kid not remotely matching. The teenage boy who wouldn't know what an iron looked like if it hit him in the face, his clothes are all wrinkled. The husband who looks like he could have no, he could be more interested in being anywhere in the world than in that picture, and the mom with just the madness on her face. How many of you ever taken family pictures? Man, I tell you what, hell breaks loose, and it's like, smile. I just want the memories. Memories of what? We got some family pictures we took. And I remember we took them in a, in a field like a cow. And it was, it was actually a good set of family pictures. We didn't kill each other that time. But it's funny, the pictures are great. But like I literally remember the cow behind us going to the bathroom while the pictures are being took. And I'm like, that's what I remember? We're smiling. Knowing we're about to die from the smell. Man, we're fakes. Don't miss this, man. Don't miss this. The younger son broke the rules. And society said that made him bad. <laughs> but the older brother thought following the rules made him good. You can follow the rules all day long and still be a rotten person. You can be good at faking it till you make it. Again, I've been in this gig for a long time, 20, I'm 44, 23 years. I've seen some fake folks in my life. I've never seen a documentary on a serial killer where the neighbor was like, I knew he was a serial killer. He was crazy. I heard animal noises coming from there. He was always covered in blood. He just seemed like a psycho. No, it's always like, man, he was the nicest guy in the world. Always so polite. Helped me carry my groceries in. I'm just in shock. This guy thought, I follow the rules, I'm good. No, your heart was wicked. Heart was wicked. The older brother had some things. I want to look at these today real quickly. First thing I want to do is I want to look at his respectability. Look at the older brother's respectability. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. He was in the field. Doing what he was supposed to do. He's a leader. He's out leading as the oldest son. He's leading all the servants or all the workers. And doing whatever it was. I don't know what kind of field it was. I don't know what kind of farm it was. But this guy, was because he was the oldest, he would have been born into the position of leadership. He would have been being groomed to take over it all. Two-thirds of everything the father had was his. The father had 100 acres. 66.6 acres was his. Everything, two-thirds of everything. Since the younger brother had already taken his portion, really what it meant was everything there was the older brother's. We would assume by their age, the father was probably a little bit older, and the responsibility of leading now had fallen upon the older son. The fact that the father had time to sit off and look in the horizon waiting for the younger son to come home lets us know that the older brother was the one who made things happen on the farm. To everybody in the community, he was a person of standing. He was a person that was respectable. He was a laborer. He was in the field. He was working. The younger brother had been out partying. He's working. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. Just like so many of you in this church. Putting in the work. 
working at your marriages, showing up on Sunday and you serve. You don't complain. That's only about three of you. But the three of you, you don't complain. Whatever's asked, you do it. You volunteer for the kids' area, and then don't get shocked that you've got to work with kids. That's not what I expected. What would you expect? Did you expect you were going to be dealing with old people? Like, literally, we had someone sign up to be a greeter. I didn't realize I was going to say hello to people. You're a greeter. Like, what did you think you were going to do? I hired a guy one time to empty trash for me at one of my festivals. I, literally, when I said, I said, hey, I need to hire you, man. Are you looking for work? You'll be emptying trash. He quit in the middle and said, I didn't realize I'd be emptying trash. I like, yeah, you did. I told you you would be. Like, what, what did you think you were going to be doing? Playing in the band? Respectable. Respected by everybody. Had it all together. Comes into church holding his wife's hand and acting like they're in love, knowing they ain't touched all week. Knowing they ain't prayed together all week. Comes home and he goes to his room and she goes to this room and they don't talk. You don't say anything about the kids. But man, they get to church and it's their, their family. Fake people. Church might be the fakest place on the face of this earth. I wonder what would happen if church got to the point that it was just full of people like the younger brother. It's kind of one of the refreshing things about the people that we reach. I'll be at the store running and say, man, where you been? Oh, man. Dude, I met this girl. Bam, bam. I'm like, oh, I don't need to tell me. I'm so glad they feel comfortable to tell me whatever. They don't got to be fake. We got to act like they have it all together. This man was respectable, respected by people. Had it all together. Look, he goes to his Bible study at Starbucks on Thursday morning. He must love God. God forbid he's going home and looking at porn all night. Look at him, man. He's got a good job. He's got it all together. He's a drunk. He's an alcoholic. He can't fun. But he's a good person. Who classifies what's good? Man. Respectable. But not only was respectable, we need to look at his resentment. So many respectable people are full of resentment, and their resentment in the context of the local church is keeping the local church from being what the local church ought to be. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came into the house, he heard the music. So he called, blah, 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 your brother's come, and your father's killed the fattened calf. The older brother became angry, refused to go in. So his father went out to him, but he answered his father, look. I mean, even after the father comes out, pleads with him. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Never disobeyed your orders. <laughs> Heading home after a day in the field. Brother here celebrating. He's confused. Now, not a lot of celebrating goes on in these days. They were about getting up and doing the work. They were about responsibility, especially the older brother. So it's, it's interesting that he comes up and all of a sudden he's been working and he hears music and he sees dancing and he wants to know what's going on. Because in his mind, there's no reason to celebrate. They obviously haven't brought in the harvest yet. It's not that time of the year yet. He calls a servant. And when he hears what happens, the Bible says he becomes angry. You need to break that word angry down in the original language. It means to become red-faced. Have you ever been so angry? That it almost implies that your fists are clenched. Like he can't control it. There's been a few times in my life I've been angry like that. It's very rare. And I have a temper. And it's rare that I've been that kind of angry. I would venture to say, Christine and I have been married seven years, maybe two times. She might say more, I don't know. That I've been that kind of angry. The kind of angry where you can't get me to calm down. That kind of angry where I'm shaking. The Bible says he was that kind of angry. It's red with anger. It's amazing the resentment that you can see. Can I tell you something? It happens all the time amongst those who call themselves Christ followers. Now, none of you had the testicular fortitude to come to me about it. But you don't think I hear about it? 
What would happen at the church if Gary focused on us as much as he focuses on those outside the church? Go find another church. Problem solved. Because that would never change. Let me make this so clear to you today. I'll shut the doors of this place before I focus on insiders over outsiders. It's not my calling. It's never going to happen. The day that those doors of that church aren't open to everybody and anybody, I don't care about their social standing. I don't care about their skin color. I don't care about their sexual preference. I don't care about any of the things. I don't care who they voted for. And if you do, I'll run you off before I run them off. Well, why? Because here's the deal. You'll leave and go find another place to worship. They'll leave and be bitter with the church forever. You lose. Now, don't mistake that as I don't love you. I'm going to cut that to you in the end. Don't worry, I'm going to stroke your ego a little bit at the end. Make you feel a little better. Come here, baby. It's okay. My dad used to, my dad had the, we called the belt. Anybody have like, anybody like when your dad had a patty, like you called it a name? We called it the gray ghost in the lamb house. Now you need to know my dad, my dad is a hippie. Like the gray ghost didn't get brought out much, maybe like three times. But there was rumors that the gray ghost could come out at any time. You know when you whip your kids, and like I didn't understand so I became a parent, like my dad, like my dad would get tore up. The few times he had to spank me. He'd come in like it hurt me worse than it hurt you. Like, what are you talking about? It hurt you worse than it hurt me. No, it didn't. Because I had to whip my own kids. You whip your kids, oh yeah. Not anymore, they're too big now. But yeah, it hurts. My dad would come in and afterwards he'd tell me, man, I love you. I'm so sorry. So I'm, we're going to whip you a little bit today. I'm going to come back and stroke you a little bit later and tell you it's okay. I love you. But, but here's the deal. Let me make this clear. I don't necessarily feel like this is an issue here. But I'm going to teach on it before it ever becomes an issue here. You ain't seen me get redneck here before. But we'll get real redneck when we become insider-focused instead of outsider-focused. I don't like that Gary uses the building just for all these shenanigans. I don't care. It's what you don't understand. I bring 300 people in this building any time to walk around and people start asking questions about this. Now, I do more pastoring at those events than I do at any of these things on Sunday morning. We're to be salt. The Bible says we're to be salt and we're to be light. Salt does you know well if you're not around something that needs savoring. Light doesn't do you any good if you're not around things that are dark. It's the point in going outside in the daylight and turning on a flashlight. doesn't do you any good. Church has become so insider-focused. We wonder why the unbelieving world looks at the church and says, I want nothing to do with that because we got a church full of older brothers. And by church, I mean Big C, not this church. Big C. And they're full of resentment. And anger. And really what they're showing is they're showing their heart in the issue. You know what the older brother was showing? He was showing, first of all, didn't they, he really didn't love the younger brother. He didn't love the younger brother. Had he really loved the younger brother, he'd have been excited that the younger brother was home. He, he'd have been excited that his brother who had set off to a far land and who he had not heard from because, again, there wasn't cell phones then to call your brother and check on him. You couldn't shoot him a text. He probably hadn't heard from him in years. Has now come home. But he really didn't have a heart for that. And that's the problem most people inside the church. They don't have a heart anymore for outsiders because they forgot what it was like to be an outsider. You became an insider and you became selfish. You thought everything was about you. Your preferences, your likes, your wants. 
Oh, you know, there's things that we do with this church that I just don't like. There's things that if it was up to me, my preferences, we wouldn't do them that way. But it's not about me. It's about, man, is this going to be effective to reach those that are on the outside and bring them on the inside? Not about that. It just showed that he didn't even care about the younger brother. He didn't tell him bye. He didn't care. Just like the church. And you know what else it showed, though? Not only did he not love the younger brother, it showed that he really didn't love the father. Here's the father, so excited that his son's home. He was so excited that it was son was home. There's no way that he didn't know he was brokenhearted when his son wasn't home. He knew the anguish that his father had been through, the pain that his father had been through, the unknown. Can you imagine having a kid and having no clue what's going on in their lives? Even nowadays, again, even if we don't talk to our kid all the time, we see them on social media, we can shoot them a text real quick, we can know their breathing. I've got teenage kids, guess what? The last person they want to hang out with and talk to is dad. I get it. But I can still shoot them a text. If you go through my, on my two oldest, our text conversations literally consist of this. Hey, hey, you alive? Well, I just sent you hey, just making sure you're alive. Everything good? Everything's good. I guess they don't want to talk to dad. There'll come a day when they want to. I'm not cool right now. I get it. But I at least can know they're alive. This dad had no clue. He was disrespectful to the father. He didn't care that the father was hurting. He didn't care about the heart of God. Let me make it clear to you. The heart of God is outsiders and not insiders. The Bible says Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to, to, to convince the already convinced. He, he, said, he said it's the sick that need a, a doctor, not, not the healthy. Man, his motives were wrong. His mentality was wrong. His methods were wrong. It's all about him. Look what I've done. Look what we do, Gary. I do this, this, and this, and Gary doesn't even invite me to church. I do this, this, and this, and Gary doesn't even say hello to me on Sunday morning. Well, you can say hello to me. Maybe I'm distracted on Sunday morning. I'm thinking about the sermon I have to preach on Sunday morning. Maybe I walked by and you were in a conversation, so I'm sorry that I didn't stop everything and say hello to you. Actually, I'm not sorry. If you need your ego boost from Gary, then you got bigger issues. I got a professional counselor. I'll send you her name. I can't save you anyway. Man. Look at his reaction. The brother became angry, refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate my friends. But when a son of yours was squandered, your property with prostitutes comes home, you feel the cat a calf for him. I, I, I think this is amazing to me. It's one thing to me to get a little upset and feel left out. I get that. Man, we have emotions. Probably should get our emotions under control. It's another thing to get mad. You know how many people have left this church over the years mad? Because it wasn't about them? <laughs> mad. Literally, we had someone leave our church recently. And they told somebody else they left our church. Listen to this bull BS. <laughs> Because Gary never likes my posts on Facebook. Oh. Oh. So being that whole I am, I unfriended them, and now I go log into their Facebook specifically, even though I'm not their friend, just to hit like on everything. Like, how petty can you be? We've had people get mad. Mad. 
because we open up our building as a warming shelter in our county for the homeless to sleep in when temperatures drop below 32 degrees. Mad. We didn't ask you to come do anything. We didn't ask you to be part of it. Why would you get mad? Because you're an idiot. You're selfish. Everything's about you. Mad. I had ideas and Gary wouldn't do them. Not, you got ideas? Go do them. Don't bring me. You know what you should do, Gary? That's a great idea. I'm not going to do your idea. I tell people all the time, I don't have a, this is going to shock you. I don't have a heart to do a food pantry. could give two rips about a food pantry around here. Let me make that clear to you. I don't care. But we do a food pantry. Why? Because someone in the church has a heart for it. They do it. I don't do it. I don't have a heart for addiction meetings. could give two rips. I'm not taking every Friday and Saturday night out of my life to do it. But we got people that have a heart for it, so we give them the equipment to do it. My heart is this. To put on a Sunday morning service where everyone feels accepted. Where those who don't do church can come in and feel welcomed. That's what I do. You got a heart for something? Go do it. Don't expect me to do it. That's your problem. You're lazy. You're the older brother. You think it's all about you. The reaction is they get mad. Man, the older brother's been killing the movement of God for years. And, I, and, I, and I, again, I'm not preaching this necessarily to beat you up today because I don't feel like it's an issue here. If it was an issue here, I'd tell you. But I'm preaching this message more for you to keep your eyes open for the, younger, for the older brother. For you to be aware that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link and all it takes is for one person to come in here and miss jabber jaw to start flopping that jaw and everything falls apart. You ever notice when someone leaves the church, they very rarely leave the church alone? Always got other families that leave with them. They start running that jaw. I preach a message. I ain't preached it in years on wolves in the church. I should preach that soon. Because it happens. But hey, older brothers, I got some good news for you. We are getting out of here early today. (laughs) Your feelings are hurt right now. You've been a Christian for 20 years and you're coming here and it's not all about you. Your feelings are hurt because I beat you up a little bit today and it wasn't very nice. You thought you were going to come to church on Valentine's Day and hear a message on love. You did just hear a message on love, by the way. I love you enough to tell you that if you're an older brother, we're not going to put up with it. But look how the father deals with the older brother. First thing it does is you need to claim the father's promises. Look what he says. My son, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. When you don't think things are always about you, realize you already have the promises of God. You've already entered into a relationship with him. He's already told you he'll never leave you or forsake you. He's already told you I own the cattle on a thousand hills. He's always told you I'll feed you, I'll clothe you, I'll provide for you, I'll listen to you when you come in person. Man, the promises are God is they're already there for you. He told the older brother, he said, man, everything is yours. Why are you mad? All this is yours. All you gotta do is claim it. You're mad that the focus ain't on you and God's like, it's all yours. I love you so much. So we need to claim the promises of God. And we need to get the Father's passion. And I'm done. Get the Father's passion. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead. He's alive again. He was lost and he's found. The Father's passion was the lost son. When you get the passion for those that are far from God, it will change your life. Because I can promise you if it was your family member that we were going after, well, you'd be passionate about it. If it was your grandson, if it was your cousin, if it was your mom or your dad, your brother, your sister, 
But we need to remember everybody is somebody, somebody. Everybody has somebody out there thankful. I ran to someone a few months ago, an older man. He said, man, how you doing? I hadn't run this guy for years. I said, I'm good. He said, man, I want to thank you for that church down there. I said, well, I appreciate it. And I said, I don't think you've ever been, have you? I couldn't remember. No. He said, but my son and, dog, my son and his wife come there every week. And he said, I prayed for years for them to figure it out. And I just want to thank you guys for what you do. Guess what? He gets it. It's not about him. Get the Father's passion. God's heartbeat is those that are far from him. When you realize that should be our passion, you'll be willing to do whatever it takes. If you come from a more church background, man, that's awesome. Let me make this clear. We're not your church you left. If you loved that church so much, awesome, go back to it. We have a mission here. It's to go after the least of these. And by least of these, I don't mean who we're saying the least of these are. Those that feel like they're the least of these. Those that feel like they're shunned by the church or outcast of the church. And our job is just to love people right where they are. And we're never going to apologize for that. We're never going to change that. Someone told me one time, they said, man, we love the church, but I can't wait till it grows up and we have more programs. And I said, we're grown up. What? I said, we're never going to have those. You think they're wrong? I said, no, I don't think they're wrong at all. They're just not right for us. We're not going to do them. We do what we do. And what we do is we create an environment for those who don't do church to come in as God loves them. We love them. There's nothing they can do about it.